Welcome to the international trade part of microeconomics. This is your professor, Dr. Terry Eland, talking to you from home to wherever you are. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the economic ride. So, in the previous segment, there was discussions on opportunity cost, which is one of the big subjects in economics. And in this segment here, we're going to apply this concept of opportunity cost to trade. But first and foremost, uh, what's going on here in trade compared to things you might see in business classes or more advanced economic classes? Well, here, the main goal from this segment is to understand how different countries or different individuals can have um, like specialization, they could have specialties, like one could be better at doing one thing, one could be better at doing something else. And understanding how, regardless of people's specialties, or if you have a country or an individual that's best at everything, there is always an incentive to trade. Like it's a very extreme example that there wouldn't be an incentive to trade that you can't gain more, but you, you wouldn't lose. So we have to understand from the get-go that what we're going to get to in a certain way is a proof to demonstrate that trade can always be beneficial. At the end, there's discussions on caveats of where some countries may gain more than others. But overall, there's always room for gains for all parties, all countries, when there is trade. So... Let's dive into this to make sure that we understand. As always, instead of making things overly complicated, in this example, we either have two individuals or two countries or producing two goods each. That way it makes it pretty straightforward to seeing the trade-off between the production of both. So at this point here, if we think of our production possibilities to keep things simpler to analyze, we're going to assume that both of them have this uh, constant opportunity cost of production and that uh, there's a straight line PPF. It's just going to make things so much easier to analyze because you'll be looking at different levels of production of each of the goods. So that's the first thing that we we're kind of assuming here. And once again, all of these assumptions is just to make the problem as simple as possible. If ever you were to study more advanced economics, you could easily remove some of those assumptions and become a little bit more realistic. So the first concept that you are going to encounter is the concept of absolute advantage. The concept of absolute advantage is the idea that one country or one person can produce more than another country or another person in a given amount of time. So you have the same resources, uh, but you can produce two desks per hour and your friend can only produce one desk per hour. So that would say that you have absolute advantage over your friend in producing desks. And then you could also look at other goods. Yeah, if we're looking at desks and chairs, well, the chairs, you, you might be able to produce three while the, your buddy only produces two. So once again, you have absolute advantage. So it is possible for one country or one individual. Uh, in the future, it's always going to be one country or an individual. So just kind of uh, assume that if I only mention one of the two. 
it's possible for one of the two parties to have absolute advantage in everything. But the thing is, is absolute advantage is not sufficient to saying whether it's worthwhile to trade or not. And in this chapter, we're not looking at uh, putting a price on these goods. We're not interested in any of that because the price itself does not tell us much in terms of how much we could consume. Because if you could buy goods cheaper somewhere than somewhere else, but to do so you have to export, but then you're exporting more than you import, you, you might end up with less goods than self-sufficiency. So the, the way that we formulate it in this uh, part of the class is that we're really looking at what could you consume in self-sufficiency versus what can you consume after specialization in trade. So the concept that we really need to understand is comparative, comparative advantage. And comparative advantage is all about looking at who has the lowest opportunity cost to producing a given good. So in that example I gave a second ago, if I could produce two desks while my buddy only produces one, and in the same amount of time I could produce three chairs while he can produce two, well for me, for every hour, I have the choice of producing two desks or three chairs. And I have to keep that in mind because as I choose to produce more desks, I'm giving up the opportunity to produce more chairs. Similar concept as every other concept in the opportunity cost, like the idea of me building my own house, well, that is time that I cannot spend doing something else. It's just something to keep in mind. Uh, but ideally you're good at multitasking and you could be laying flooring like I just did today and then shooting a podcast in the evening. So um, anyways, coming back to this story, you have two uh, desks or three chairs. So that means that every desk is the equivalent or of one and a half chairs or three halves. So whether you have it in decimal form or you have it in fractional form, it doesn't really matter. Sometimes we keep it in fractional just to be able to see the inverse quickly. Uh, the inverse being three halves, three over two, while the inverse is two over three, two thirds. Um, so that's an easy way to, to kind of see the, the alternative. So if I can produce, uh, in the given time I produce a desk, I could produce three halves of chairs, well that means that per chair I could produce two-thirds of a table, which is just the inverse because when I have produced three chairs, I could produce two tables. So three times two-thirds is two. Anyways, you might have to write this down or you might be able to see it in your mind, but just keep it in mind that here I have a certain opportunity cost. So for me producing desks is three halves a chair. And if my friend, he could produce one desk or two chairs, well, that one desk has two chairs as opportunity cost, which is greater than my one and a half. So I have the lowest opportunity cost. I should be producing desks. And at this moment, you might be thinking, well, obviously you had the absolute advantage in both goods. You must have comparative advantage in both. And I would say it's impossible. There is no way in any example that you will have in this class that you can have a situation where one person or party has 
comparative advantage in both goods. If ever you could demonstrate that to me, I'll give you bonus points, but you will never see it. It's impossible for one to have a comparative advantage in both. They can have equal opportunity costs where no one has an advantage, but they cannot have comparative advantage in both. That's impossible. And that equal advantage, equal opportunity cost is the extreme example, which you'll never see on an exam. So don't worry about it. It's the very kind of basic example that I have a two to one relationship. You also have a two to one relationship. So our opportunity costs are the same. No one has comparative advantage. It's kind of a boring example. In reality, it'd be very rare that we'd have the exact same trade-off between the two. But if we look at it in terms of chairs, well, as I mentioned, I'm the inverse, so I would be two thirds. I could produce two thirds tables per chair. But the other person, the inverse of two over one is one over two, which is a half. So <clears throat> two thirds is greater than a half. So he has the lowest opportunity cost in producing chairs. Therefore, he should produce chairs. So that's why I kind of like to see it in fractional form. If you would have done it in decimal form to find the inverse, you could kind of recompute or you could do one over whatever amount you had in decimal form. So one over 0.666 will be 1.5, which is the same as two thirds is the inverse of three halves, which is 1.5. So those are the first two steps that you would have in a multi-step question on trade. Who has absolute advantage and why? Who has comparative advantage and why? And the why part is by showing your uh, opportunity cost calculation and showing that it's smaller. As soon as you find it for one of the two goods, I would accept you not have to recalculate it for the second good. So here in my case, I could have said, well, I had a comparative advantage in producing desks. Therefore, he has comparative advantage in producing chairs. But if you have time at the end of the exam or quiz and you want to verify, just kind of flip it around and see if it still makes sense. And if it does, you're probably right. And who has comparative advantage and certain goods should produce those goods. So I should be producing desks. The other person should be producing chairs. Never say the opposite. And then the last kind of parts associated to that are what are the acceptable terms of trade? And give me an example of a trading term that would be beneficial for both. So the acceptable terms of trade range, the thing that you have to keep in mind here is first, you have to be very clear about what you're comparing. And where people get mistake is that they're trying to look at everything at the same time. So I'd say, keep it simple. So here in my example, if I start from what I did initially, I was looking at the amount of chairs I have to give up per desk. So I could write on the timeline, this is the number of chairs per desk. So I'm gonna keep it steady on a one desk framework. And then I wanna see, well, for me, who I know now will be producing the desks, what is the amount of minimum amount of chairs I would need to accept uh, this trade? What's the minimum amount of chairs that someone would have to give me so that I can um, be happy with this trade? And then the other person will look at, well, what's the maximum amount of chairs I would give up to get a desk? And then that range between the two is the acceptable terms of trade range. One thing that we have to keep in mind is that if you're at one extreme 
or the other, there's one person gaining and the other one is not gaining anything out of this story. So if you have trading with me and uh, you're giving me two thirds chair per, uh, I mean, three half chair per, uh, per desk in that situation, well, that's the trade-off that I have. So if I spend two hours producing desks and you give me three chairs in exchange, or I spend those the same two hours producing three chairs, uh, or one hour, I mean, uh, it would be the exact same thing. So I'm not gaining anything from it, but it is in the acceptable range. The two limits would kind of have a situation where one gain and one doesn't, but they're not losing either. So the final question is always asking about, well, what's a situation where one of the two, uh, where both of them gain? And it would be any number within that range. So if you find a range between 1.5 and two, let's say, well, 1.75 chairs per desk would be an acceptable terms of trade range, and not range, but exact amount. So if we wanna, attach this a little bit more to what's going on in the world. And sometimes some people say that in certain trades, there's people that gain more than others. We, we talk about the concept of bargaining power that some people just are, are stronger politically, they're a more developed country or they, the other country is more desperate. And we could think about this in terms of firms or even individuals. You might have one person who's really good at negotiating uh, or has just has a better position to negotiate where the other person is more desperate. So in those situations, if we were to have trade, we're not saying that the desperate person's gonna lose and the, the, the more bargaining power person's gonna gain like so much. It's just that it's true, the thing that it's possible that one person gains more than the other. So if we think about it, there's a range where it's acceptable by both, in the middle of that range, both parties gain, but it might be that you're gonna be closer to one end or closer to the other. So in my example, if my um, opportunity cost is 1.5 per uh, 1.5 chairs per desk and the other individual is two chairs per desk, well, if that person gives me 1.51 chairs per desk, I'm barely gaining anything, whereas he's far from his two. So he's in this situation that he gains a lot. And it's very hard to explain it uh, and uh, just with words. But if you were to work out like any acceptable trading term, like that 1.75, which is the midpoint, what you could observe is that both parties are gaining from this. And how could you do so? Well, you could start from a situation where both are spending half their time producing both goods and they get a certain amount of um, chairs and desks. And then you go to a situation where they're both um, producing what they specialize in and then they, they trade a certain quantity of the goods that they've produced. They, they keep some for their own and we can notice that they're both gaining from it. It's always gonna be the case if you choose a point which is between the two opportunity costs. So there's a little bit of uh, working out to do and as every time that you have any kind of these mathematical problems, 
They might seem simple and they aren't complicated for sure, but they do need practice. Just take time, go through the example. As soon as you, you think you figured out Canada and Japan, go back to the other example and just kind of work it out. Don't look at the answer and just try to calculate opportunity cost for both. Once you figure that out and you're able to do it, it's gonna be an easy task to do on a quiz or on an exam. Well, that's it for me for this segment on trade. Hopefully it's enlightened you on uh, the realities in this world, even though it's a simplified example on how, when you have trade, you'll have different individuals. They're all out there to be able to consume more than being self-sufficient. And the same thing goes for you in your life. Like you're not producing your own clothing, producing your own food and everything else. It makes more sense for you to specialize and have a specific job and then purchase things from other people's specialty. Um, you're just able to consume more. Imagine if you had to produce everything yourself and you wouldn't be able to buy anything on the market, what you would actually live with. So it's that same kind of idea that gets extrapolated. So just think about it. Absolute advantage, who has absolute advantage and why? Comparative advantage, who has the lowest opportunity cost in producing this good, the other good? Just do it for one of the two and then keep those quantities that you have. So number of chairs per desk, do your timeline, figure out the acceptable term, terms of trade range, and then find a point between within that range that would make both parties gain. If you give me one extreme or the other, that final question will not be right. Well, so hopefully you enjoyed this. I'll see you guys soon.